Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, guys. Just a message from Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to us this week and also... Just a heads up, um, this had to be edited over several times because of my mishap with my broadband, amongst other things. So, again, thank you for listening. Sorry for the slight inconsistency in sound quality, but we hope you enjoy this episode. to another episode of Is This Place Haunted? I mean, is it? It is. It's always haunted. Yeah. How yes, we do always. it <laughs> The answer is always yes. Always yes. If okay. something fills with the sink, it is a ghost. <laughs> always ghost. That's the real only answer I can think of. It's got <laughs> fair, my, my go-to when a- anything ever happens like that, even in the old house, I'd be like, it's a ghost. It's yeah, a ghost. It's a ghost. It's definitely a ghost. Something falls over, it's a ghost. Oh my god, I can't believe a ghost did that. I was actually speaking to my colleague today about it. Um, I was telling her about how haunted my last house I was talking to somebody the other day about your shadow figure. Oh, it was my hairdresser. <laughs> I love I love that. They're like say? both of the hairdressers where I go, it's a guy and a girl, and I heard them talking in Mr. G. And someone I mean, went, oh no, it's Jamie. She went, don't touch my fucking couch, Sarah. And I was like, <laughs> so we were chatting about stuff. And then we started chatting about aliens. Then we started chatting about ghosts. And I showed them the video of your light in the kitchen that was going off and on. Um, and then I, then you sent me a video like banging around it to be like, it wasn't moving. It wasn't anything, you know, that I had done. And they were like, oh my God, that's so creepy. And then they said, there's a ghost here. And it kind <gasps> of like, as a, 
like it'll move things about it doesn't feel bad but it's it mimics people so people will like see what they thought was their colleague walk past and they'll be like oh like grace come in here and then nobody replies and they're like grace what are you doing and like walks around there's no one there and it happens a lot with different people god did I tell you what happened at the gym a few weeks ago yes you did but tell the listeners oh my god this was so strange so I was in the gym so I was like on the rowing machine and going hell for leather by the way and then there was this two there was these a couple waiting and they had the weights and they got it all out and and they were obviously waiting standing like waiting for somebody and then I I looked over at them and um, all of a sudden, this is so strange. I even told my trainer about this. One of the big 20 kg weights, now they're not light at all, basically thrust itself out of the holder. I saw it happen and it hit the guy on the back of the leg and he just like looked down, looked back at me and then looked at his friend and he was like, what the fuck? And there was nothing happening. No one was lifting big weights and dropping them. There was no vibrations. It was so bizarre. And you know that way where everyone mutually was freaked out? Everyone was like, what? I was like pure still going hell for leather on the on the fucking road machine or whatever. Like, <gasps> we're like, but I saw it, babes. I saw it, but I'm burning the cows. <laughs> I literally, I literally nodded at him and went, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it was so weird. And I said to my trainer, I was like, "I said, is this place haunted or whatever?" And he was like, um, "He's like, I don't think so. It used to be an old sky building." I was like, "Right." Well, to be fair, Rupert Murdoch, like bad vibes. And also, see the many people that probably have died in work, like on the phones or whatever. What was it before it was a sky building? Well, that's the thing. Like everywhere in the area that I live now is old farmland or old mines or whatever. Like literally the whole of this area is old mine shafts. Yeah. So it's like, you never know. You never know. Never, ever know. It's got to be ghosts. That's the only option. I was like, fucking hell, that's a ghost. (laughs) I'll get to that a thousand meters though. Do you know what we were talking about at work the other day? And I'm kind of I'm kind of like going back and forward on it. And one of the people from work listens to our podcast, I believe, um, was chatting to her about it. And I was like, I am becoming more open to the idea of doing a Ouija board. I'm not doing it ever. You're never doing it with me, hands down. But the the time that we did it in the flat with my two friends and another friend and another friend, that was freakishly that was weird like because it was totally moving and then I don't know like this sounds awful and I know people listening to our podcast are going to be like your livelihood kind of depends on this but um I just just think most of them are bullshit I don't think anything would happen if I did it okay I will I dare you I mean I'm not (laughs) I've never seen your I'm not doing it. I do. I do believe in all that stuff. And but I, I do. I do. But I think most often than not, it is probably not going to happen. Well, that night in Edinburgh definitely did. Know, but you're in a honey just fuck flat. That wasn't my flat. That was another flat downtown. Was that? Oh yeah, I remember you telling. That's in one of the the episodes. That well, was- listen. If people are listening and they want to prove me wrong and be like, "This happened to me during the Ouija board," message us. Tell us these stories. I want to hear them. Yeah yeah that's it yeah do send us some stories and stuff and we'll we'll read them out I'm definitely getting more skeptical with age well I said that before so I I used to think that everything like oh my god that's that's proof that's proof and nowadays I'm like proper that's not real no way yeah totally 
send us your stories if you've got them convince this gal yeah convinced so um shall we go on to what the episode is actually about this week or is there any sort of fabulous things you want to talk about beforehand um i was gonna say it's my birthday <laughs> i was like is it's it someone's not, birthday it's not my birthday it's not my birth week it's my birth month mm-hmm. uh this gal is turning 30 the day before this comes out and I had such a cute day at work I was telling Lauren that like I work between clinic and wards and the girls in the clinic had like got cake and present and like it was so lovely and then tomorrow we're having a a ward bake-off party so I'm feeling very very like thankful and loved it's very nice but um I've been so excited to turn 30 like I really feel it feels very poignant yeah it feels like I'm letting go of all the bullshit thing is I don't remember particularly enjoying my 30th I think my 31st was better um I don't I don't know age is like not an issue for me now at all like because obviously I'm older than you and I'm a, my next big one is the as a big one um not 50 40. that's what she said <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um but I have to say with all the self-care that we do and all the meditation and all the we kind of enjoy life don't we age isn't really a number we as we were saying we're better off we have skin Mm -hmm. we've been to therapy we're pretty getting healed and um i just i think you just give less of a shit about the little things yeah 100 matters so i feel like we're totally socialized to like feel like very so old and to dread it and it's so young it's still so young but you just have a bit, you're young but you're better off uh, yeah and I also don't think you have the same sort of social restrictions that you would have done in your 20s like there's all this bullshit and by the way guys for our younger listeners you do not need to get married at all you do not need to have kids you don't need to be a certain part in your career just like live your life like I realized that I was like so much pressure is putting you to do all these big milestones like own a house and stuff it's like our generation I think is so much better for not succumbing to that though like I wouldn't it would have been so uncommon to be our age and not tied down but just like the more I look into marriage and this is no beef to anyone who's married if this is what you want to do and I don't know for sure if it's not what I want to do like you do it but the actual idea of marriage is an ownership to a man it's that's like what it's rooted in the the act of somebody's dad giving them away is basically saying you now own my daughter like it's not a it's so patriarchal and like I'm like and people were so shocked the other day at work because they were like oh if you ever got married would you take their name and I was like no I would I personally wouldn't take their name yeah. And they were so shocked. But really? Yeah. And I was like, my bitch husband didn't do a medical degree, I did. So why would I Exactly? When I was engaged, um, I often thought about that as well, because obviously we had pla- we we were and I remember thinking, I don't think I want my dad to give me away. My mum and my dad brought me up. It's not my I'm exactly. like, what the fuck? And, and also with marriage. I'm like, is this what I want or is this what I've been socialised to believe I should want? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Having said that, my one of my best friends, Rachel, got married uh, at the beginning of last month and it was the most fucking magical day. See, 
I, I can believe it. I can believe it. I'm going to a wedding in October um, with one of my good friends. I'm really looking forward to it and stuff. And I, I do you know what? I think it's the celebration. Mm-hmm. I, I think if I was ever to get engaged again, and to be honest with you, the, the, my wedding that I was going to have was going to be banging. And I, and I thought it was going to be, but I didn't see it, see it as like a marriage. I saw it as a, like a big fuck off party for mm-hmm. our relationship. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a better way of looking at it, you know? It's a celebration of love rather than yeah anything else but I'm like also the money for a wedding imagine like the places you could travel to there's that as well my other friend who wants to get a selfie with her boyfriend but apparently he's refusing (laughs) for good reason she was saying she wants to get civil with him or instead of a marriage instead of a marriage and um, she was like, I think we're just going to do it in a pub in London or something at one point. And she was like, it, it'll just be good to have like a big bloody party. And she's not at all marriagey, but she kind of liked the idea. And I was like, yeah, so do I. I think next time, should there be a next time, girls, I'm single. Um, I would quite like that, I think. Yes. And sorry, I'm like, I, I, I am fully like, if I meet someone and it feels right and I want to get married, absolutely, I'll do it. But. It's not the be all, be all and end all. And that's our lesson for life. Um, yeah. Side note, just before we get into the story. So obviously Lauren's coming over to Belfast. Mm-hmm. Babes, the, the wingman and I am doing for you. I'm asking everyone like, right, where can my gal meet a gal? Where do the good <laughs> go? So originally we were going to go to a gay bar, like I said to you, but they said it's a bit of a hole. Yeah. We're like, you know, no, we're classier right. bitches than that. London's a classier bitch than that. So I'm, I'm finding all the places to go. Leave it with me. Amazing. Thanks, babes. I really appreciate You are actually a solid when it comes to stuff like that. And, I, and yeah, you're amazing for that. Got your back. If I came across a really nice looking guy who was tall and attractive, I would set him up. But I don't fucking, I don't know any men anymore. <laughs> certainly not tall and attractive ones well no quite seriously there's like some sort of like I think when you get to a certain age though like everyone becomes married as well like especially straight people so you're just kind of like it's a bit rubbish although there's so many so many attractive guys in the gym like so many even I'm like bloody hell but like I don't want a gym bro is that my vibe I don't know if it is (laughs) There was a guy that I saw and I was like, oh my God, he looks like an intellectual, but he's super muscly and very tall. And I was like, oh, he's very attractive. Slip and there was a another- Stop a number and be like, it's not mine. It's, it's not mine. My friend. You could be like, I like vagina, but this is my pal. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, She's my friend's doctor. Um, I will. And also there was another guy, there's another guy in our gym who trains like a motherfucker. Like he's always on the same time as me. And this guy is like, strong as hell but he also looks like who's the guy from outlander is it sam hewen well i don't know no watched it the gorgeous guy from outlander he it looks exactly like this guy it goes to my gym and i've and i think he thinks that i'm like oh my god like pure taking my brow off just to try and impress him i'm simply just going wow what an attractive man like you could appreciate so, a good looking man yeah um but he's he would also be such a bow i'd be like setting him up with you Oh my god, do it. Sick. Anyway, we've gone off on a massive tangent. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Sorry guys. Um well yeah, but I'll let you introduce this week's episode. Yes. So we are basically 
we're as I said before, we're trying to be dead structured with our episodes. We wanted I want to do in episodes to come a bit more deeper dive in the sort of more complex cases and stuff. But we want to do a general discussion and a sort of um and and pick out a couple of cases of basically the witchcraft um what we would call it mania of Scotland um through the sort of 16th and 17th century um it's do you know I was on this thing the other day they're doing research for this and it's it's called the witchcraft like archive of Scotland I'll put a link in the show notes for it or in it on our Instagram it's such a phenomenal piece of work basically um I think it's three professors um two or three of them actually I've watched on like documentaries before they're so well known um they've done a lot of research into the actual cases themselves and they've got this kind of interactive archive of Scotland of where there was witch trials and like who was involved in the cases it goes into so much detail and by the way it's actually quite shocking like how many like witch trials there were in Scotland um it's Basically, if I can just get the exact figure for you, um, it's down at the bottom of my notes. I was going to do it at the end, but I'm going to tell you now. It's something like three thousand. In the thousands, it's yeah. I've got it here. In between the 16th and 18th century, between three thousand and four thousand people were tortured, convicted, and executed as witches. Is it? That's insane. It's insane. And I mean, if you put it in actual context, if you put it in re- in real terms, like these people were just like you know outcasts or um or in some cases women who worked as healers or midwives it's not a huge number but that was the case there were people that were kind of on the outskirts of the community and stuff like that and they were just victimized because of the sort of patriarchy and like you know um you know who'd be a witch today do you know who they would love to call a witch nicholas sturgeon oh they would victimized beyond belief by the media like whether you like her or whether you don't like her, her treatment is a witch hunt. Totally. It's like, it's it's just, I mean, we don't like it. Well, we don't, I guess the general public at large, including men and women and other genders, don't actually acknowledge or whatever that this is still the case. But like the media and the population at, lar- at large is still incredibly sexist. Absolutely. Um, you know what else was? And I, to be honest, this is not me having to go at anyone else because I think I was just as guilty. Uh, the Amber Heard trial. Oh, I know. And listen, I've got to make a... The Amber Heard trial as well was like... Now, I I don't like her personality, right? So I was slightly more kind of biased towards Johnny. But see, actually going into the detail of like what went on and stuff like that, I was like completely carried away by the media. Because okay. they were both abusive. They were both... It was a toxic relationship. I think he was incredibly abusive at times. But we all went along with it, you know? Yeah, people were making tiktoks about it and like i was just as guilty so it's not me saying i was above it i definitely wasn't but it just goes to show that you absolutely can get swept up by the media and the media in the uk is fucking atrocious and it probably stems from how bad we were during these times do you know honestly i think it is a hangover of like Mm -hmm. of that sort of Mm -hmm. this patriarchal system that we live in Mm -hmm. where and by the way there's a case there's a couple of you know there's a few things going on just now where it's like similar where you have this vitriol for one gender over the other depend you know doesn't matter what the crimes are and stuff like that there's always that kind of sway and it's like it's pretty shocking like but anyway um witchcraft in scotland was quite prolific and it was probably one of the most prolific places in europe 
um, to actually conduct witch trials. Um, even England, in comparison, didn't have as many witch hunts, which is bizarre because you think sometimes they can be also a bit mad for it. But um, yeah. Scotland was the worst. We we were the ones who inspired the US, weren't we? And if you go back to the North Berwick witch trials episode, um, <laughs> yeah, if you, we, if you heart back, heart back um, at that time, we inspired all the Salem stuff for such dicks. We are such dickheads. I don't know why, because we are, at our core, Scottish people tend to be a sort of more paganistic. And, and like, as, a, as a nation, especially modernly, but generally I would say pretty accepting. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, even today and stuff like that, like I, I would say that we're much more, but I think, and I've said this before, maybe not on the episode, but I said this before, um see Scotland because it went through so many turbulent and kind of for so long I think that's what makes us more progressive now because we've kind of gone through those dark ages as it were and now we're kind of like in, after the enlightenment, enlightenment period come so far but I think you have to go through incredibly dark times to realize how to get better do you know what I mean we've been call it live yeah so anyway by wankers as much as other places do you know yeah, well, that too. So pre-16th century, so prior to the 16th century, beliefs in magic and supernatural practices, this is probably one of the reasons why Scotland was so enamoured with this type of thought process beforehand, um, why we did this. So it was already um, magic and supernatural practices and things were already, as we've mentioned before, but paganism was already kind of um, in the sort of Scottish society. So people believe in things like fairies and um, like demons and stuff like that. It's, we're quite a fantastical nation, even today. Um, people held um, various folk beliefs and superstitions, often related to healing, divination, and protection against malevolent forces. Obviously, Scotland is quite a real, has historically been quite a religious community, probably because it's steeped in that paganism from the beginning. The Scottish Reformation, uh, which gained momentum in the early 16th century, played a significant role in shaping attitudes towards witchcraft. The Reformation led to the establishment of Protestantism as the dominant religious ideology in Scotland, and it fueled a distrust of anything associated with Catholicism, including traditional folk practices legal changes this is another influence as well in 1563 during the reign of mary queen of scots the scottish parliament passed the witchcraft act of 1563 the act made witchcraft a capital offense punishable by death the law criminalized various practices associated with witchcraft including consulting with spirits and using magic for harmful purposes that's wild eh? yeah and also like Sorry if you're going to go into this, but was this not only like very recently outlawed? Like it wasn't. I think it was. I think it was outlawed. Outlawed slightly earlier. Um, there was someone convicted of. I didn't do anything on this actually, so forgive me. But there, there was like a in the in the in the nineteenth century. I mean, there was like a witch that was convicted. Yes, leave that with me. I, I'm a look on the sad. I don't think, I think it was eventually abolished slightly later on, um, which I thought I'd picked up. I'll check my notes um, later on. But basically, yeah, oh, I, I think it. there I'm was... so sorry. Well, there was a Witchcraft Act. I don't know if this is the UK one, English one. Was The 1733 Witchcraft Act was only repealed in 1951. <laughs> 
that must have been the English version of it because that must be what I'm thinking of. Well, let's validate that's, that's the guys. That's, that's a great British one. I wonder if it changed from Scottish to Britain. I, I think it might have because first notable which i did actually put in my notes where it ended sorry apologies but um it i think it ended earlier in scotland because of the barbarism yeah the witchcraft act was only repealed wasn't it in 1951 that was what that was a great british one and um, when we were all all together 1951 yeah that's insane like that is insane wow. um King James VI of Scotland was known for his strong beliefs in witchcraft. I'll touch on that later on as well. And his interest in the supernatural. His experiences during the North Berwick witch trials, where he believed he was target of witchcraft, heightened his fear of witches and therefore he extended his powers to everyone, basically. So if you see someone in the street that you think is a witch, you can legally accuse them and take them to trial with no, like, actual evidence. Insane. I was going to lie... James the Sixth could probs get it from his portrait. <laughs> I know he's totally he's such a hun. Um, there was also a wild. Um, it was kind of almost like a hysteria across Scotland at the time as well. Um, where there was a sort of belief that if your crops were going to die or if your cow's milk went sour, I don't know if that's a thing, but maybe it does happen. Um people just tended to generally believe that it was either a curse or a spell or some malevolent magic that had like set this upon you. And people just like 100% believed that that was the case. They didn't like question it at all. They were like, no, no, it can't be science because I suppose it's before science really. But they just thought, yeah, witch done it. And that was like the general populace yeah. that thought that. Like a scapegoat. Yeah, there was also at the time as well, um, a lot of society was a lot of societal upheaval and, and scapegoating. A lot of people tend to blame this on political instability, which obviously happened throughout the centuries at that point, uh, where there was no kind of like norm period. Um, so there's a lot of crisis, a lot of poverty, a lot of kind of instability in society. So witches were seen as convenient targets to blame on everything that was going wrong with your community at the time basically um and another thing that spurred on this whole movement was the fact that people could easily extract confessions from people who were accused of witchcraft simply because you could torture them you could hold them under prison for like however long you wanted and it it was like and basically people were like living in fear and the only way that they would like ever get out of that was to confess at the time yeah. and that's why more and more people came forward as witches you can't win you can't win um the first notable witch trial in scotland occurred in 1590 with the north berwick trials as i've mentioned before um and that's probably one of the more famous ones and if we can just say we hark back to another episode that olivia did on this one um, very interesting case and very depressing to look back on, really. Yeah, so sad. So, James the Sixth of Scotland, first of England, he was actually considered to be an, an intellectual king. Um, incredibly well scholared. He wrote books. He was well respected as being a excellent diplomat, charismatic, and actually quite a logical like leader but he for some reason became utterly obsessed with witchcraft um 
it was due to, as we said before, because of his own personal affliction because of witchcraft. James and his new bride, Anne of Denmark, faced a series of storms while she was sailing from there to Scotland. These storms were attributed to witchcraft and a group of individuals were accused of causing them through magical means. Um, this heightened James' fear and belief that witches were basically um, up against them. And the reason he thought that they were like putting curses on him and stuff like that was because he was supposed to represent God on earth. I oh, mean, get over yourself. Like, get over yourself. But also, yeah, it's it's wild to believe <laughs> that that's what he thought. He's like, no, no, that's why. So he became incredibly paranoid. And <gasps> do you know what he's given? He's given Say that again giving medieval Andrew Tate vibes. Yeah, for sure. Everyone's against him, especially like, and he's the superpower. Um, Yeah, James was a fervent believer in the divine right of kings, which asserted that monarchs ruled through the will of God. He saw any opposition or threat to his rule, whether mundane or supernatural, as a challenge to his God-given authority. In this religious context, witchcraft was seen as a form of rebellion against God and consequently against the king's authority. Um, obviously, I said that he was educated to a greater extent than probably most of the monarchs in Europe at the time. And he wrote extensively on the various subjects, including witchcraft. He- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I don't know why I said that in a French accent. Because it's still like that, I get you, girl. It's like <laughs> yeah. demonology. It's probably old Scots and I'm butchering it, but it's like oh, demonology. Yeah. That could be a wellness shop now. It could be, actually. I might relaunch it as that. The demonology. <laughs> in 1597, um, it, a treatise that addressed his views on witchcraft, magic and demonology. In this work he discussed his belief in the reality of witches the methods to identify them which is fundamental to the witch trials and the threat they pose to society um other thing that kind of influenced him as well was the broader european context so the time was marked by growing fear of witchcraft and a surge in witch trials james beliefs were influenced by prevailing attitudes towards witchcraft across europe because it wasn't just over here it was over in places like denmark and he kind of spurred everyone on to feel the same way about him uh, about them as he did um so yeah so basically in scotland because of this influence because of the legal changes that were made um and it was kind of like seen as a righteous thing to chase the demon and the devil out of scotland people just went furied with it um there's several several 
famous cases that are covered, as we said, the North Berwick one. But I'm going to do a couple of cases that are a wee bit closer to home. But mm-hmm. I've talked a lot, so I don't know, babes, if you want to start off with you, a couple of yours, or are you happy for me to crack on with the old Pebbles? Uh, you crack on because a lot of what I'm going to talk about is uh, during and after the witch trial kind of period, so maybe quite nice to end on. What transpired within the confines of Peebles in the year 1629 was nothing short of a tragedy. Yet it details remain shrouded in relative obscurity due to poor record keeping. In the book Borders Witch Hunts by Mary W. Craig, written in 2020, this provides a strong narrative of what went on that year and the barbaric treatment and murder of innocent people who lived there. Peebles is nestled within the picturesque Tweed Valley, Scotland. It's a charming town renowned for its timeless beauty and outdoor allure. With a rich history dating back centuries, its cobbled streets are lined with quaint shops, cafes and traditional buildings. Peebles has a rich history that spans over a thousand years. The town's origins date back to medieval times when it was established as a royal burgh along the banks of the River Tweed. Its strategic location made it a hub for trade and commerce, contributing to its growth. Throughout the centuries, uh, aside from the witch hunt, Peebles played a significant role in the region's history, witnessing conflicts such as the Wars of Independence and serving as a key market town. The town's historical buildings, including the impressive St Andrew's Church and the Cross Kirk, stand as a reminder of its past. The year in 1629 would, at first glance, exhibit a semblance of familiarity to those acquainted with present-day peoples. Most of the buildings, as mentioned, in the town still retain their original construction and the layout of the town has not changed in several hundreds of years. In 1629, a sense of apprehension of witchcraft and the fear of the devil that walks among us consumed peoples and its inhabitants. Rumours circulated that a handful of locals were behaving oddly. The spectre of witchcraft had already brushed the town. In fact, two years previous to that, had, there had already been an accusation of witchcraft to one of their locals. Margaret Dalgleish had been accused of witchcraft, but escaped with only a stern reprimand and a requirement for divine absolution. In 1629, however, this ushered in a resurgence of that anxiety. Craig captures the prevailing mood as she speculates about local musings. Why did Catherine Wode and Marion Boyd always rush to Tor Hill, ignoring the greetings of their neighbours? Similarly, concerns were raised about Patrick Linton, who yawned excessively in the morning despite having no reason to be tired, suggesting that he might not have spent the night as he should have. Others, like Gilbert Hogg and Janet Henderson, missed Sunday church services for two consecutive Sabbaths, a truly scandalous affair back then. Gossiping anecdotes propagated compounding the growing suspicion of the other innocent people in the town, and given the society marked by heightened paranoia, no one would be safe from accusations of not fitting in the expected behaviour of the time. 27 people in total were investigated and persecuted for their crimes of witchcraft with varying degrees. One of the accused, Janet Henderson, had faced an accusation of sinning and had been punished to stand for six consecutive Sabbath days at the entrance at Linton's Kirk. She was required to be dressed in sackcloth and barefoot. All 27 individuals who were accused professed their innocence and a few of the suspects at the time had foreseen the impending situation and had tried to escape towards other towns in the area such as Innerleathen and Bigger. 
However, they were all apprehended and brought into custody. When the toll booth was full, that's the jail area in the town, the remainder of the group was locked in the kirk. All were to be questioned and tried by local commissioners and the minister of the Presbytery of Peebles, Archibald Sid. After many days and nights of questioning and probably torture, the first to falsely confess was Isabel Haddock. Under the intense pressure of the minister and his officials, this young girl, very likely to be sleep-deprived as well as tortured, held in the basement of the Bridgegate tollbooth, she confessed that her and others had met the devil on Tor Hill. Soon after, all the others broke down and also confessed to the absurd accusations going into extraordinary detail about what the devil looked like, what his voice was like and what he had promised them. The town went absolutely crazy. When the word got out, half the town were protesting that they already knew their devilish ways and that they could see it coming a mile off, and the other half protesting their innocence. The accused were brought before the court of the presbytery and the all-male jury drawn from the bar in the toll booth and had their charges read against them. The specific crimes and accusations against these people accused of witchcraft, and like in many witch trials of the time, um, where it's hard to now look back and determine exactly what they were given the insufficient records. However, the list would probably look something like this. Maleficium, consorting with the devil, casting spells, sabbats and meetings, shape-shifting and transformation, the use of herbal remedies, omens and supernatural signs. For an example of this, it would be like crops dying suddenly or, or something else weird happened. There was thunderous storms for days on end. Exhausted, after weeks of uncomfortable imprisonment with no defence to speak of, many had to sit on the stone floor of the courtroom and hear their charges. 24 of the group were found guilty. Ten days later, they were marched barefoot up Calf Knoll, part of Venlaw Hill strangled by rope, one by one, and then burned in tar barrels. Three of the accused, Susanna Ethelston, Margaret Joniston, and John Joke Graham, were spared execution because the jury had found the charges against them not proven. In Scotland, uh, not proven means that there just simply wasn't enough evidence to convict the person. So kind of like a, a mistrial almost. They continued to be detained in the toll booth until the end of the year due to the legal system being preoccupied with witch trials elsewhere. Finally, a new trial was held on the 22nd of December 1629 and the accused were once again brought before the presbytery and the jury. The remaining three were found guilty and were to be executed. On Christmas Eve 1629, the public of Peebles gathered once again and watched Susanna Elphiston, Margaret Johnston and John Graham burn in tar barrels. After the public witnessed such horrific events, they turned round and simply walked back to the town to celebrate Christmas. At worst, the 27 victims of the People's Witch Trials of 1629 were guilty of petty grievances with one another, a natural occurrence in times of strife and pestilence when food and resources are in short supply, and yet those 27 people were executed. Trial records would support this. Too often, the occupations of the accused are listed as vagabond and their social status landless. So basically, the poorer of society were victimised by others, executed for being simply unusual, I suppose. 
Throughout those dark years of the Scottish witch trials, there were 40 more executions in peoples alone. In the 21st century, however, it's widely understood that the term witches, as it was interpreted by legal authorities in the 16th century, has absolutely no basis in reality. Similarly, regardless of our personal beliefs as atheists, agnostics and religious uh, adherents, we recognise that the concept of the devil now roaming the local countryside is completely unfounded. Consequently, the individuals from the community who were executed in peoples on these charges of witchcraft were subjected to unjust treatment. Thanks to activist groups such as the Witches of Scotland, uh, many towns across Scotland today have memorials erected out of respect to the accused in these trials. In peoples, this is now represented in a memorial stone that was placed in 2022. The memorial stone is positioned at the foot of the copper beech tree on Tweed Green, which stands alone on the grass between the cherry tree-lined path and the river Tweed. The granite stone is engraved with the following words. In memory of all those in Peeblesshire persecuted under the 1563 Witchcraft Act, including these 27 executed in 1629. Janet Asheson, Catherine Alexander, Helen Beatty, Marion Boyd, Catherine Brown, Agnes Chalmers, Marianne Crozier, Margaret Dixon, Susanna Effelston, John Graham, Margaret Gowanlock, Isabel Haddock, Janet Henderson, Gilbert Hogg, Margaret Juniston, Mary Juniston, Patrick Linton, Catherine Marshall, William Matheson, Agnes Rubison, Thomas Stoddart, Agnes Thomason, William Thomason, Bessie Ure, Jean Watson, Catherine Wood, Margaret Yerkin. Gid borders folk, not witches. So, so awful though, and do you know what? A lot of a lot of the things that you are saying about going for the the the, the poorer people, the people who are in lower um, classes in society, I'm like, this is you describing our current government. Totally, it's like austerity. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Eat the rich. <laughs> yeah, eat the rich. But it's true. I mean. People that are penalised in society or considered of being other are simply people that don't have money or don't have land or don't have like, you know what I mean? Or people that are on benefits or whatever. Vulnerable all... people. Vulnerable people, yeah. People that don't meet up to your standards and stuff. And really what gives people status in society is a lot of the time money. Money yeah. and family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll maybe hand over to you just now, babes. Um, take on a couple of other things, but I will um I'll also got a couple of facts at the end to talk about as well. Amazing. Um so I am um, I actually looked into witchcraft in Edinburgh specifically. I've always been quite fascinated with the witchcraft history in Edinburgh after going on like so many of the kind of history stroke ghosty tours. Mm-hmm. And they take you to a place where the witches were burned in Edinburgh. So yeah, just quickly touch upon a little bit of the history of witchcraft in Edinburgh so when you google Edinburgh witchcraft often it comes up Hogwarts because obviously Harry Potter was written in Edinburgh there's a lot of inspirations from Edinburgh for the Harry Potter books but it goes much further than this so (laughs) the background of Scotland's witch hunts that began in the 16th century um kind of began in Edinburgh and like I said I go back to that episode on the North Berwick witch trials (laughs) trials where king james VI, as lauren said uh, was convinced his boat 
was um, almost, you know, ruined by the storms. Nothing to do with the fact that it was going in a really choppy sea, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and this hysteria kind of began with punishing and, and blaming witches for everything. And accusations of witchcraft were super common in Scotland, as I said at the start. Between the 16th and 18th century, in Scotland alone, between 3,000 and 4,000 people were tortured, convicted and executed as witches. And the majority of those, surprise, surprise, were women. And they often would target people who, like Lauren said, had a reputation for being kind of herbal healers who would come up with natural remedies for things. But it kind of began as, you know, harvests begin to fail or crops began to kind of get ruined or anybody had any misfortune, they were like, it's got to be a witch. I don't know why I went Irish there. Uh, <laughs> but it's got to be a witch. Nothing to do with the fact that they're in Scotland. Do you know what I mean? It's cold. Crops will it is cold. It is cold. In the North Berwick witch trial, it ran for two years and implicated over 70 people. One of the really sad stories that stuck with me, Lauren, and I think maybe you mentioned it just there, was the Agnes Sampson one. Uh, if you go back and listen to about her, it's just it's just awful what they did to people in the name of quote-unquote holiness. And, like, James the Sixth, right, I feel like might get beef for this, but you said it too. I was reading about him, and it says in all of his early childhoods that he showed a preference for men. Yeah. Well. Was this a guy stifled by his own sexuality that was looking for someone to blame and get angry at? Very keen on the men. I think he was gay, if I'm but honest. Probably conflicted with it because if he's so in the church and everything, then, you know, he's been told it's wrong. Yeah, like totally self-hating. And another good episode to bring up is the one you did on uh, the Thomas Weir Wizard of West Bow. That was mm-hmm. a good episode. But basically, he was a well-respected member of Edinburgh kind of in the high society on his deathbed admitted to all kinds of sorcery witchcraft had spoken to the devil there was incest there too i'm sure you had said at the time his sister and yeah. um, wild wild stuff and on the on the tours of um edinburgh all the history tours that i've been on they kind of take you through what would happen when somebody was accused of being a witch and like lauren said that would be something as simple as you looked at someone the wrong way and they could accuse you of being a witch uh, or there's often cases of children um, accusing like nannies or help in the house because they told told them to tidy up after themselves something as simple as that and as you're walking up the hill up the royal mill towards Edinburgh Castle there's a big esplanade and on your right there's a cast iron fountain that was erected in 1894 and designed by an artist called John Duncan and this is meant to pay tribute to all of those mainly women who perished during this horrendous time in, in Scottish history. And the plaque reads, this fountain designed by John Duncan RSA is near the site on which many witches were burned at the stake. The wicked head and serene head signify that some used their exceptional knowledge for evil purposes, while others were misunderstood and wished to find nothing but good. The serpent has dual significance of evil and of wisdom. The foxglove spray further emphasises the dual purposes of many common objects. Now, this kind of feels like a, I'm sorry, but. Exactly. And also, they, they weren't witches. Like, it's bullshit to, to refer to them as that. Like, they were yes. women folk who and were healers, probably. 1894. So, I would be 
by Yu Ming. And I remember on the tour, people have seen what, like people walking about there. And some I'm sure somebody said they saw a burnt woman. So would I be if that was meant to be your <laughs> shit, shitty apology. And also what is spoken about is um and I'm sure you said this was a myth to me once, but on these tours, apparently, um, well, back in the day, Princess Street Gardens, what was that? Was um, the Norloch. So Norloch was a man-made loch that was used to basically get rid of human and animal waste back in the day before toilets, Seattle. I, I hate the portaloos at the Christmas market, but I'd take them over that. And yeah. This served as a waste pit for human and animal waste. And this was also a place where, unfortunately, criminals, quote unquote, were drowned. And these criminals were alleged witches and they were subject to examination by what was called the witch prickers. Now, um, in the witch trials in North America, I do talk through some of the torture methods that was that were used to elicit confessions from accused witches. Oh, horrendous stuff like nail pickers finger squishers breast cutters awful things and you'd be so in pain you just wanted to stop and you would admit that you were a witch and allegedly witches were quote-unquote witches were tied to barrels or, or chairs and drowned in an orlock and if they were a witch they would come to the surface but if they weren't a witch oh what a shame they drowned which again feels like a lose-lose because <laughs> what are you meant to yeah. do and they would check um they would check people to see if they had any birthmarks any spots and this was considered a devil's mark and if they touched it with a needle over that area and there's no blood they were like a witch a witch and then in 1764 the loch was drained thankfully by the middle of the 19th century all the remnants of bodies etc had vanished and now you can go and have some well you can't have cider that's illegal but you can't drink <laughs> is it illegal i didn't mean is that public yeah oh my god i thought we could drink in public i totally lifted a pint from like one venue to the other in the festival of 30 there oh it's naughty naughty maybe it's okay between the festival but yeah you're not meant to drink in public oh my god so yes that's kind of a little bit about the history of some of the witchcraft there and i'll just briefly mention something i found which is the witch's iron collar that was found in uh, the parish of lady bank and fife in the 17th century and it actually next to it apparently quoted the exodus in the bible that said thou shall not suffer a witch to live the iron collar was once attached to the parish kirk of lady bank and fife it held again quote unquote witches by the neck and it's got these kind of jagged uh, circumferences on the top and bottom so that if they tried to move they would kind of get stabbed and he would be held naked by this and and there's paintings of witches begging for forgiveness from from james the sixth james the sixth the dick i'm a, I'm a he, he is a dick he did introduce the bible i suppose in common reading to like normal people and stuff in english but exactly. he was a dickhead just awful and the, ter- the torture devices there was thumb screws an iron muzzle that they would light so it would melt your face i i really think that like this is such a shameful period of our history that this was allowed to go on. But what's even more shameful is how insidious is, is still to this day, this witch, the modern day witch trials that we allow, like we said, the Amber Hearst, the Amber Heard thing and everything. Yeah. We, we certainly haven't learned 
like general like sexism is like still oh, quite nice. evident in society and I wish people uh, could see that especially in all the Nicola Sturgeon stuff yeah and also if people are like held under torture or under or reprimanded continuously or whatever like people are going to confess to shit they haven't done do you know what I mean it's like after it's a bad day at work <laughs> I would yeah. be enough, honestly it's wild but yeah on the on the swim test that you were talking about earlier how it's kind of officially referred to um it was used as a method but it wasn't as common in Scotland as people think it was um basically as you described earlier about people like they think if they're was it they think if they're innocent but if they float there you know whatever um apparently this is a misunderstanding since ropes were tied to them to pull them out of the water in scotland the swimming test was used for an unknown number of suspects in 1597 so really just in that year um but apparently there's been no evidence that it happened since that point and i think it's probably because they realized it was a bullshit method of understanding why somebody was a witch so they kind of eradicated it I know, but they were still torturing people at the same time. Um, there's some like mad stats as well around about like basically where the biggest witch hunts were like conducted in Scotland. So apparently 32% of accused witches were from the Lothians. Wow. Um, yeah, which makes sense because if you look on the archive thing I was talking about earlier, there is a hell of a lot of them. Strathclyde and the West produced 14 and 12% um, was from Fife nine percent in the borders still pretty high for the populace around there um aberdeen produced seven percent um of of totals tayside and highlands and the islands produced six percent five percent was from caithness orkney and shetland and two percent from the central region which i'm not quite sure where that is actually i need to look in the map but it'd be like Paris and stuff. yeah but the lothians were the were shocker 32 percent my god that is wild but yeah it was it was a pretty dark period in scotland um witch hunting sort of came to an end um a little bit it, obviously there was the, it was kind of illegalized or whatever like later in the sort of 19th century um but it did continue to go on for like several hundred years um, the Scottish Witchcraft Act was repealed in 1736 when the British Parliament decided to repeal the Parallel English Act. Uh, the 1736 Act abolished the crime of witchcraft. So maybe it's like a terminology thing. It was replaced by a new crime of pretended witchcraft, which is probably the one you're talking about, with a maximum penalty of one year imprisonment. So even to like very recent times, people thought that any form of witchcraft was fucking illegal basically i think we'll probably do i'm gonna try and do a few more episodes like on specific witch trials like there's one in paisley which was particularly brutal by the way um but we'll maybe save that for a later episode but yeah that's let's do another there's this is a thing with like witchcraft and history and all that like there's so much out there to cover that we could easily do a whole podcast on it so yeah let's do another episode yeah but um well, guys, that's a brief um, introduction, or not brief, a long introduction to witchcraft in Scotland, and we're going to extend upon that in the future. So that's, thank you. Uh, just be mindful. I'm going to be more mindful going forward of that witch hunt mentality. Yep. How easy we can fall into the trap. Yep. Don't apply age-old prejudices in a modern setting, guys. It does not work. It doesn't work.
Doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be quite interesting to, by the time this episode comes out, maybe worthwhile if we popped on Instagram all those stats, like the percentage of where the witches in Scotland were on a map or something. That would be really interesting. Totally. Yeah. Well, there was actually, like I said, there was lots of really good resources um on from edinburgh university and stuff like that because it's obviously they've got like so yeah i'll try and include as much as possible so people can become informed well as always look guys thank you so much for listening thank you for tuning in hope you're loving our new kind of format aren't we we're being a bit more discursive discursive yeah um a bit bit more discursive a bit more tangenty but like that's how we like it here at is this place haunted yes it is and i think that's what other people like but if you don't tell us you know yeah let us know what you want uh but we we, this is a very interesting topic for both of us we really enjoyed that but um yeah we'll see you next week while we how we chat about what next week's about yeah let me just so we're already organized we've got our table of plans for our podcast so next week I think because it's going to be my episode or, or like you know not my episode not like <laughs> I will focus on astral projection oh that's such a super interesting one to do mm-hmm. and then the week after we've got Mercy Brown Vampire Folklore oh that's a good one as well actually that that's an elaborate case I can't wait to talk about that Mm-hmm. so yeah guys it's gonna be so good thank you for listening as always i'll speak to y'all when i'm 30 speak to y'all next week guys bye guys Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.